Good morning, everyone. Happy second day of spring, March 22nd, 2019. Happy Norwoos. Did I say that right, Jason? Norwoos? I don't what, what is the Persian New Year? Do you, I can't pronounce it. All right. I, I think it's Norwoos. I think it's Norwoos. But I'm it. sure you're going to have somebody like write me or call me and say, no, you <laughs> said it wrong. You screwed it up. Well, happy second day of spring. Spring is upon us. And we're going to have a great show today. We got uh, three segments, as we do every Friday. Um, the first segment, we're going to hear from the big cheese himself here at Channel Q, Brian Holt. Uh, is the big guru, the big cheese, the guy who grabbed me at uh, Gay Pride last June and said, hey, we're starting a channel and we want you to be part of it. And um, he's going to come in and give us an update on what's going on with Channel Q and how we're expanding all over the United States and going to be dominating the world before you know it. World domination, that's what we're all about. And uh, after uh, Brian leaves us, we're going to have uh, Dr. Ken Howard come back. He's a local shrink. And we're going to talk about all this new data that's coming out that shows that half of young people in America today don't have a romantic partner, a steady partner, including Jason, <laughs> including. Yes, yeah, I do not. You do not. So we're going to talk about that and, and what's going on out there with uh, you know so many young people choosing to be happily single. Hmm. And uh, Dr. Ken's going to talk about that. And, of course, couples and throuples and, and anything else under the sun. And then we're going to finish the show with Tracy Evans. Uh, Tracy is the ride director for the AIDS Life Cycle. 2,400 cyclists every June pedal their bikes from San Francisco all the way down to Los Angeles to uh, raise money for the San Francisco AIDS Foundation and the Los Angeles Gay and Lesbian Center to raise money for HIV, education, treatment, uh, and all sorts of great stuff. So I did the ride uh, four times, four years in a row. I don't do it anymore, but I did it at one time and absolutely loved it. And I was talking to Tracy. I said, you need to come on and promote that ride because it's a life-changing thing. So that will be our lineup for the day. But what a crazy week it has been. If you didn't catch the news, uh, the orange president, I hate calling him president, the orange guy, we'll just say the orange guy, is now attacking the dead. Yes, he is attacking Senator John McCain, American hero, American veteran, somebody who was tortured in uh, camps in Vietnam, who made sure that his uh, fellow uh, soldiers got home before he did, sacrificed use of his arm, um, I mean, completely a, a true American hero. And the orange one felt compelled to uh, attack him even after his death, uh, you know, when his family is still grieving. This, ladies and gentlemen, this is the president of the United States. It is just embarrassing. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I cannot believe that the Republicans, uh, for the most part, not all of them, some of them are finally growing a pair and starting to, to call the orange one out for being so disrespectful. But, you know, Senator John McCain is not somebody I agreed with all the time. In fact, you know, during when he was a U.S. senator, he was not always helpful to the LGBT community. He, he came around more towards the end of life. And, you know, as, as he got older and maybe became less angry or, or more tolerant or whatever the reasons were, uh, he ended up becoming more and more of a friend towards the end. But at one point, he was, you know, not not a good ally for the LGBT community. But notwithstanding that, he's still an American hero. And and uh, although I don't agree with him, I can actually disagree with somebody and still find a way to respect them as individuals and even respect their point of view, although I don't agree with it. And how how great it would be if we could get back to that place instead of this hyper-partisan atmosphere that we find ourselves in in Washington, D.C., and uh, I'm going to – I actually found uh, one of the last speeches that John McCain gave on the Senate floor. It was, a, it was in a, an article <clears throat> that his friend Joe Lieberman wrote, a former uh, senator from Connecticut, in the Washington Post. But it quoted John McCain, and, and this is – you know, whether you, uh, you agree with him or you disagree with him, you still got to love him for what he had to say. And, and uh, this was during the <laughs> – pardon me – the Obamacare debate where he uh, – Ended up, in essence, saving Obamacare and handing a huge defeat to the orange one. Um, but he uh, he said, 
Quote, our deliberations are more partisan, more tribal, more of the time than any other time I remember. We've been spinning our wheels on too many important issues because we keep trying to find a way to win without help from the other side across the aisle. The Obama administration and congressional Democrats shouldn't have forced through Congress without any opposition support of social and economic change as massive as Obamacare. And we shouldn't do the same with ours. What have we to lose by trying to work together to find these solutions? We're not getting much done apart. At times when I was involved, even in a modest way, with working out a bipartisan response to a national problem or threat, those are the proudest moments of my career and by far the most satisfying. And, uh, you know, I, I know that John McCain was uh, good friends with Joe Lieberman, somebody across the aisle, and, and loved and respected by California's U.S. Senator Dianne Feinstein. And, and, and this is what icons and legends and lions of the U.S. Senate look like instead of the mattering, pattering Lindsey Graham. What the heck happened to Lindsey Graham? What do the Russians have on Lindsey Graham that here, as the orange one attacks his best friend, former best friend John McCain, can't find the backbone or spine to tell the president to pipe down. Leave John McCain alone. Let his family grieve in peace. Let the dead rest in peace. And instead, focus on what you're doing or what you're not doing, Donald Trump. Because you know what? It's almost Miller time. Mueller time. It is coming. The report is coming. And you can tell because uh, the orange one had a tweeting rampage over last weekend. 50 tweets in one morning. Uh, Something tells me he's not sleeping well. And uh, he must know what's coming. And it's the sound of justice and Lady Liberty, Lady Justice, coming around the corner for the Grand Reckoning. And uh, we all know it's going to be here soon. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm pretty excited about the Democratic primaries coming up. I actually, I like a handful of them. I, I got to be honest there. We have so many great choices on the center left to take on the orange one and uh you know i kind of i go back and forth from day to day there are things that you know bernie sanders says that i really like and then there are things kamala harris says that i really like and uh and and now my uh my latest is uh beto o'rourke he's a he's a pretty good guy you know they they say that you know, Republicans march in lockstep with their candidates, and, and Democrats need to fall in love with theirs. And, you know, if there's ever somebody that's easy to fall in love with, it's it's Beto O'Rourke. He is quite a, quite a guy. He's uh, campaigning in New Hampshire right now, and he was asked about white privilege, right? And uh, here's, here's what he said, and I'm, I'm pulling this out of an article out of the Washington Post. Um, Beto O'Rourke asked about white privilege. Quote, this country will truly hit its stride when it reflects and represents and involves the contributions, the genius, and the creativity of everyone. And right now, economically, politically, where power is concentrated, we don't have that representation. You don't have a true reflection of who we are, people from every corner of the globe who came together here to make this the indispensable nation on the planet. You, you can, to me... This guy, he's got, he's just got a sense. Uh, and he, uh, to me, it, it shows that he thinks about these things and he doesn't claim to have all the answers and he doesn't, you know, say that he's not open to uh, all sorts of uh, new ideas. So anyway, I've rambled on way too long. Jason's telling me to stop. So uh, thank you for tuning in to Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back, kids. We are here in studio with the big cheese, as I promised you all, Brian Holt. As Brian Holt, who grabbed me at Gay Pride last year and told me he was starting something called Channel Q. Or, or wait, it was called... 
Well, back then we were out now. Out now. That was it. Out now. Yeah. And now here we are and we're exploding. Yeah. Yeah. We're expanding. What's going on? Well, I mean, like you said, it was about uh, almost a year ago when uh, Intercom, uh, they basically had started an innovation project um, headed up by our, our big boss, Jeff Fetterman, and a group of uh, employees here, and they came up with uh, a couple of ideas to what we call disrupt kind of radio, and um, they had the idea of maybe putting together an LGBTQ plus platform uh, for the radio stations, and uh, so they reached out to me and said, you know, what can you do or what ideas might you have to uh, help us get this thing off the ground? And so that's what I did. I sat down, went to the drawing board and came up with some ideas. And, uh, and uh, you know, with the help of my colleagues and the employees and frankly, the entire company has been absolutely amazing and supportive, as you know. Yes. Uh, we now have Channel Q, which started in just Los Angeles, as you know. Right. And uh, is now soon we will be in 18 markets. 18? Yeah. Well, that's amazing. From West Coast to East Coast. West right? Coast to East Coast. Yeah, yeah. We are officially nationwide on terrestrial radio, but of course you can always catch us nationwide on radio.com. Right. right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we're really proud of uh, of what we're doing. We're, we are really just six months old, so in the, in the landscape or the scheme of of a media product we are very much in uh, the almost the incubation period still but uh yeah here we are we're off to a good start and who's right. our listeners as lgbt people lgbtq plus and allies yeah. um the idea that i had and that we had as a group was <clears throat> to obviously you know uh channel q was built for and by the lgbtq plus community excuse me <clears throat> But it's also for our allies, because as you and I both know, and I think Jason would agree, Jason's a great example of this, you know, our lives are not exclusively LGBT. Yeah. He right? had to come out to me as a straight guy. I'm like, what? My producer's straight? I feel straight? like every episode he comes out, he outs me. <laughs> I, out you yeah. every, I out you every week, Jason. <laughs> right. I mean, and, and, and the reality of that is, is, you know, we our lives are, are, are filled with and fulfilled with our ally partners. So um, the idea was to build the radio station uh, and the platform to give everyone a voice. So primarily, of course, we do programming that elevates the LGBTQ plus community, gives them a place to share their stories, have their stories told. But because we live in a world where we are uh, with our allies, we want to share their voices as well. Yeah. So we, I had a meeting with all, I guess, whatever we call DJs. I don't even sure what I'm called. All all (laughs) of the people who got shows. Talk show. Mm -hmm. And it was a very diverse group of people. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So what, I mean, if people listen to my show, what are, what's all the content for throughout the week? What are the shows well, the all con- about? Okay, so you mean literally the shows? Yeah, yeah. What are they Yeah, so we start the morning with Jay Rodriguez and Michaela Gordon. You, some will know Jay Rodriguez left. from yeah. uh, Queer Eye. Michaela Gordon uh, made a name for herself as the uh, first youngest contestant to make it to the top 10 on American Idol. Oh. And, excuse me, the top 12. And uh, they start the morning off uh, at uh, basically giving us a really kind of fun entertainment type program, but they also tackle serious issues. Uh, and then uh, we segue down from them to Dumb Gay Politics with Julie Goldman and Brandy Howard. And, uh, you know, that show is great because they talk about the issues and the political issues of the day, but they do it through the lens of, I guess, political satire and humor. That's sardonic what, wit. That's what the gays do. Yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're known for our wit. Yeah. Right. Uh, but they're, they're uh, one of the first examples of programming that is hosted by Julie, who is a very proud and out lesbian, and her best her BFF, who's not definable, Mm. Uh, you know, Brandy Howard. So again, it's that example of not everyone on the station is gay, not everyone is bi or trans. We're a blend of of all... uh all walks of life. Uh, so, and then we moved to a program called uh, Drop the Subject, hosted by Kevin Klein, who's, these are his words, our token heterosexual. Uh-huh. And uh, his best friend and partner, uh, Allie Johnson, who is gay. Uh, they came to us from San Francisco, where they once had a very, very popular radio show on Live 105. Uh, hello to our listeners in San Francisco. Um and then we follow that show with Let's Go There, hosted by Cheryl Lazar and Ryan Mitchell. And they do kind of a wrap-up of the day's news and events. And they tackle topics and subjects. They go there. Uh, and uh, talk to a lot of people who are walking the uh, uh, the fame walk in uh, pop culture and, uh, and news. And then we brought back the iconic Loveline. 
uh, hosted by Dr. Chris Donahue. And some may remember Loveline as the uh, Love and Advice show that ran forever and ever on our sister station, K Rock. And uh, so we were able to kind of take it off the shelf, dust it off, put a new frame around it, and we address LGBTQ plus issues as well as uh, everyday straight issues. So yeah. I hate saying the word straight. Yeah, it's so it defining, sounds, it and it sounds like we're crooked. Yeah, we're I mean, not straight. Yeah, yeah, we're not straight, and, it may, and it's just weird. These terms are so bizarre. I understand why we have them because yep. we need we need a way to define and and uh, you know illustrate how people are. But it's just the day that we live in now is is changing. Yeah. And one day there'll be a time when we will have no labels and that's what we're trying to work towards, right? Yeah, it is what we're trying to work for. I mean, I'm I'm old school and that I'm not PC. Some people will hear me say things in the hallway and they go, Wait, "Are you gay?" And uh <laughs> because I'm just not that I'm not that PC guy. It takes a lot to offend me. Yeah. And I think sometimes we have moved a little too far in that lane of, "Oh my gosh, don't be, you know, don't offend me." But Part of that shift, and we have to give credit to those coming up behind us, millennials, Gen Z, is that they are showing us that, you know, sometimes you have to think of things a little differently. And part of that is removing labels and, uh, you know, defining names. And uh, so I'm glad to see that, that happening. But as that's going on, the counterweight, the president of Brazil just met oh, with uh, our president, and yeah. they pretty much re affirmed their commitment to traditional family where man is man and woman right. is woman and anything else is just confused and deviant. Yeah. And and these are the two presidents of the two biggest democracies in the Western Hemisphere. So the counterweight is there too. Oh yeah, and it's depressing when we wake up and, and see stories like that. And it's funny, I was just in Brazil less than a year ago and when you're on the ground and you're in big cities, I should say, there might be a difference when you go further out, but that's just not how the people on the street are living believing behaving it's true. It's true. uh and so when you see someone like that get risen you know rise to power it really distorts where i think we are ultimately going i forget who said it best but you know the arc of history is long and it bends yeah martin luther king yep and so that's just what it is but it keeps going and towards that's where justice towards right? justice and yeah. so that's where we got to keep our faith and i think channel q is a great example of how we're we're on that arc of history moving towards justice. And you told us once, I think many months ago, very inspiring words when you said, listen, you could not have imagined that Channel Q would be where we are, be, even be in existence. It's true. Uh, and I certainly couldn't, even when I was just a kid coming up. Uh, and so, uh, you know, bit by bit, piece by piece, brick by brick is what I tell everyone here at the radio station and those following and listening, you know, we're getting there. We are getting there. And those are great lyrics to a song. Bit yeah. by bit, piece yeah. by piece, brick by brick. Indeed I, they are. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I tell some of the younger, because I came out in the 70s, and back then our only attachment to the world were the throwaway rags that you'd pick up at the bar as you were leaving. Right. You'd pick up the the Frontiers or Edge or Correct. some of the other uh, little publications just to figure out where people were going to be throughout the week. Yeah. And now with social media and with Channel Q and everything else, it's instantaneous. It's right. wonderful. Yeah, and, and I think, again, one of the best things about it and what we try to do here is we try to build a community. I mean, Channel Q and other outlets, similar, uh, whether it be in print media or digital or social, uh, it's about building a community, a place where, again, members of the LGBTQ plus community and our allies can come together and feel like, hey, this is a safe place where we we feel like we belong. You know, we hear ourselves being represented uh, back to us. Uh, we hear ourselves feeling like it's a safe place to uh, share our stories, and I think that's that's beyond valuable. It's 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 uber important. That's the big cheese. Or program director Brian Holt, the yeah. big cheese here. here <laughs> Thanks for coming by, and uh, chatting thank with you, us, Brian. Thank you all for tuning in to Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 
15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Thanks for tuning in, gang. So, you know, we're about to be joined uh, very soon by Dr. Ken Howard, uh, one of our, I hate to call them shrinks, but that, you know, psychologist here in Los Angeles to talk about LGBT relationships and coupling. But before he comes on, I grabbed an article off the Washington Post. I'm an avid reader. I love to read. And so the Washington Post is one of the things that I read every day. And there was an article written by Allison Chu about um, how unhappy Americans are that uh, we had uh, international national uh, international day of happiness the UN declared on Wednesday and the happiest country in the world is uh, Finland and I've been to Finland Helsinki it's a beautiful country it's a beautiful place and uh, after Finland uh, the next two were Denmark and Norway. So we got all these Nordic European countries that are supposedly that place where the people are the happiest. And uh, the U.S. of A, 19th, number 19 out of 156 countries. And at the bottom of the list, Afghanistan, Central African Republic, and South Sudan. But um, they rank these uh, these happiness scales based on gross domestic product per capita, social support, life expectancy, freedom to make life choices, generosity, and freedom from corruptions. That th- Those are the criteria they use, and the U.S. has never made it into the top 10, which I found pretty fascinating. Because if you look at the other reports, you know, uh, violent crime is at an all-time low, uh, unemployment rate is at an all-time low, um, income per capita has grown over the last few decades. So why? just because our standard of living is improving, for whatever reasons, happiness is not following, uh, just because we have more toys to play with, right? So anyway, the, the, in the article, the, these researchers say, well, one group of researchers said it was due to an epidemic of addictions, everything from substance abuse to gambling to risky sexual behaviors. But the one thing that they caught on that caught my eye was social media usage. And apparently, it appears that more and more adolescents are reporting higher levels of adolescent depression based upon the number of hours that they spend online on social media and texting and on the internet and that the average 17 and 18 year old now spends i almost fell out of my chair six hours a day on social media internet instagram texting tweeting that that to me seemed uh, not only extraordinarily high, but what you could have been doing in that six hours, other than looking at your phone, spending time with people or face-to-face or talking to other human beings or reading a good book or getting out and, and being physically active or exercising, oh my God, playing with a dog, anything else that would have been an option that might have resulted in greater happiness than uh, social media, because let's face it, I mean, okay, I, I spend, I don't know, I, I don't want to say more than an hour or two, maybe a day on, on social media looking at my phone, but um, there's, there's a whole lot of negative crap on there, right? Between Twitter and, and Facebook postings and uh, scrolling around. And, and then if you get on the, the apps like Grinder and Scruff and people are, you know, rude and crude and body shaming and everything else going on. Anyway, it's just it's a lot of negative energy out there. And uh, so I'm just as guilty as everybody else. I'll admit it. I probably spend too much time on this social media when there's so much of life still going on. And so as great as all this digital 
activity and progress is and how we are now connected all over the world uh, based on the devices we hold in our hands, um, it's, it's not resulting in greater happiness. In fact, it's resulting, it looks like to me, in greater alienation, loneliness, depression, sadness, thinking that the world is an awful place. And I have to admit, if I, if I thought that the world was as the internet says it is all the time, it would feel pretty hopeless and despairful, but it's, that's not the truth. That's not the truth. And uh, I could put my phone down at any time and actually spend time with friends and, and grabbing coffee or just walking down Santa Monica Boulevard here in West Hollywood, seeing people. And uh, I guess that's the challenge I, I'm suggesting is, is it time for us to maybe put our phones down? Yeah. Oh, Jason's telling me it's time for me to wrap it up that I've been rambling. It's again. the wrap up. <laughs> it's, I've been rambling again for five minutes. You see, this is what I tell people. Give me five or six minutes. I can ramble about just about anything. So <laughs> we'll be coming up next with Dr. Ken Howard talking about relationships. And maybe we'll ask him about this depression stuff that was reported as America, one of the unhappiest places on earth, and see what his thoughts are. So thank you for tuning in to Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking to Ken Howard, therapist for 27 years yes. in West Hollywood. Yes. Seen every sort of arrangement that LGBT couples put themselves through. And, yes. You know, we, we are raised with the idea of the heteronormative relationship being you meet someone you get married you're monogamous maybe you have children until death do you part and yep. there you go yep that's what we're taught but lgbt people don't do that necessarily yeah we've we've got options you know fortunately you know we can be what in many cases what mom and dad were and sometimes that's great and that's fine that's exactly what people want and other times it's like i don't want to be what mom and dad were right because they were miserable paid me right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? they want the complete opposite <laughs> so you must see the whole gamut you must see the whole spectrum of how lgbt couples set themselves up i mean couples have their own do, rules particularly right? with with gay men I'll, I'll work with lesbians once in a while but you know at gay therapy la.com i mainly work with gay men either individuals single or in a relationship or mm -hmm. you know quite a bit of gay couples work either locally or or when i work on webcam to couples uh all over the world yesterday was in rural france because there are not many gay specialist therapists in rural france right, so right. if they can speak english you know we do it over webcam but um you know I've, I've seen a lot of just variations and you know open versus monogamous it's not really that binary and that black and white it's it's a million shades of gray in between mm -hmm. you know how people how each couple defines monogamy versus non-monogamy and the pros and cons of that it it varies with as many couples as there are couples so you became a therapist in the 80s then. So you Late. would have become a therapist right when AIDS was at its height. Oh yeah. yeah. And yeah. that was what motivated me really because I you know I I started off wanting to move Hollywood and wanted to be an actor and and grew up uh wanting to be an actor because my great aunt was an actress and had been in film so the family was kind of like well you know why not it was one more it's not like it hasn't been done before in our family character actress Esther Howard and you know, so I had a lot of encouragement and went to UCLA for theater. And then when the AIDS crisis really hit, I kind of said, I can't, I can't stand by. I've got to do something. Right. And I wasn't quite smart enough to be a physician. <laughs> I wasn't good enough in math and science, I don't think. It was great in English, but not math and science. And uh, rather than be a physician, I said, well, I'm going to go the mental health route and started volunteering as a phone buddy at AIDS Project Los Angeles, mm. talking to people on the phone to give them support. And then that led to volunteer counseling at uh, the LA LGBT Center, you know, the biggest LGBT center around now, I think. 
And uh, that led to graduate work at USC in their School of Social Work, where I now teach. You know, it's like, welcome back, Cotter. I go back to where I, <laughs> where I was taught. And, uh, and then just developed, uh, you know, GayTherapyLA.com and, and focusing. At first, it was HIV mental health for L.A. County, uh, chairing the L.A. County HIV Mental Health Task Force for many years. And then, um, and then it morphed into, you know, just being gay men, HIV positive or not. So mm-hmm. it's not as many HIV issues now because everybody's so stabilized. Thank God we're not yeah. death, facing death and dying anymore like we were. Yeah. There's studies coming out showing a lot of young people are choosing to be single, that they're not in a hunt for yeah. a partner. And is that something you see too? In your Somewhat, practice? yeah, where it's kind of, um, you know, they might be focused on their careers, they might be focused on quality of life in other ways, or they're just kind of sick of the dating Stressors. I hear a lot of dating stressors, and and the request is okay. I'm in here for you to help me with the fact that being single is a pain in the neck, <laughs> you know. And how do you deal with that? Because there's there's so many deal breakers. You know, people don't want to be with someone who's abusive. They don't want to deal with somebody who has a untreated drug or alcohol problem. They don't want to be with somebody that. Um, violates their values in some way Mm -hmm. you know they want to sometimes they want to be with somebody but it's got to be the right person or no person at all and grinder scruff growler tumblr tinder all the apps are they good or are they bad (laughs) (laughs) well i think it's it's a resource it's a neutral resource you know i always say that neutral resources take electricity you know the same electricity that can keep a, a premature baby warm in an incubator in the hospital is the same electricity that will execute a prisoner in the electric chair you know the electricity doesn't change but how we use it changes so the apps are different things for different people yeah i think that's right we got to go take a quick commercial break but we'll be back in a few we're talking to ken howard thank you for tuning in to sidebar with john duran here on Channel Q. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We're talking to Ken Howard about love and marriage in LGBT relationships. You know, I have over the years known uh, not only gay couples, but gay throuples, you know, gays who are open in their relationships. I've Now I'm learning, I have friends who are completely monogamous and closed, which to me is more radical than all the other variants, right? Yeah, I mean, you can get radical in all different directions (laughs) which i which i see you know yeah and and what do you see as working well i guess it's whatever works for the couples yeah i I think it's like i said there is many different relationships that can work as there are couples and you know i do think that um somewhat immodestly i realize i do think couples counseling and coaching can help because sometimes when you get stuck between each other and you get to an impasse you need that gay savvy third person to to kind of to reassure and to help them identify their options and what is it they're not communicating well or a lot of it i you know on, on my opinion? blog on on i've got a lot of articles about couple skills you know um and i always say it's the three c's commitment communication and compromise and it's the four levels of making your relationship work emotionally, physically, including the quality of your sex life, however that's defined, uh, domestically, you know, getting along without killing each other and running a house together and household chores. And that comes up a lot in, in couples work. And then a fourth one that I call managing the other, you know, gay couples are under a stress that straight couples are not. And, you know, we have to deal with people who might be interfering with the relationship, outside pressures, you know, things that stress the relationship from the outside. In. And if you can master those four things, and if you can master Commitment, communication, and compromise, you've got the building blocks for a good relationship. And that could be monogamous, that could be non-monogamous, that could be a thruple. Um, I don't see that as much. It's not my favorite because there's not a lot of thruples that work. I know some, 
but I would say overall they're more rare. Um, I'm guessing my heterosexual producer has no idea what a thruple is. Do you know what a thruple is, Jason? <laughs> I've encountered one. It's three <laughs> people in a relationship. Yes, instead of a couple, <laughs> it's a thruple. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You learn something every day, right? <laughs> That's right. And there's a whole, like, one I'm thinking of that I work with now. Um, you know, there's kind of a second coming out process, you know, where he and his partner would have, you know, the holidays with the family and, and their okay, roommate you know, and then at one point, his mom was kind of like, okay, so-and-so really isn't a roommate, is he? And it's like, no, mom, we're three of us together. And she said, you know, I thought so. Now, how does that work? You know, and they had to kind of come out as right. a thruple all over again. Right, yeah. You know, I think historically, if anything, I think that uh, gay couples can teach straight couples is that integrity and honesty and openness and communication is really at the core of any relationship, yeah, yeah. much more so than anything else. And there's it, more discussion with that now with things like uh, the Ethical Slut book. Or, wait, wait, what? Um, what? what is the Ethical there, Slut book? There's a book, book and I, I'm, I'm, oh gosh, I wish I could remember that author's name, but I heard her speak on the radio and uh, – and that was, you know, um, that's a good book. It's It's got a funny title, you know, to sell books. But it really is about, you know, ethical negotiated non-monogamy, which is the the main thing. In heterosexual couples? In heterosexual. And, wow. and it could be gay, lesbian ones, too. But, you know, it's about, which is what I do a lot with couples, is, you know, help them navigate the ground rules. Um, I One of the, the blog articles that gets the most traffic on, on GayTherapyLay.com is how to have an open relationship without hurt feelings because it's it's the hurt feelings part that becomes the problem right. or the dishonesty and things like that. So um, Then you got the extremes like Mike Pence who won't be in a room with another yes. woman unless his wife is there. It's yeah. like, that's you got to wonder what that's crazy. about. <laughs> It's crazy. Yeah. You can't control yourself, and that's Mr. not, that's not devotion. That's I don't know. That's not devotion. That's paranoia. I, that's true. <laughs> it's very true. You know, I know you're a big fan of Bewitched and Elizabeth Montgomery. Yes. And you know that is. character, Samantha Stevens, she evolved. Like we were talking about during the break yeah. over the years, she yeah. started out as wifey, wifey, 1950s model yeah. of having 19, your husband's martini ready to go yes. when, when he walked in. But then you know. It, she changed on the show. Yeah, if you look at and and it was such a commentary, I think, on women in America about being, you know, her her powers, her true self being repressed. You know, the the, the gay and lesbian or the LGBT overtones in in Bewitched were amazing, and especially with her gay co-star Dick Sargent and right. the rumored gay, allegedly lesbian. Uh, Agnes Moorhead is her mother. Yeah. And, of course, Paul Lynn Paul as, as the very gay uncle. Affirmed gay. I saw him at you Studio know. One. I know he definitely was gay. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Samantha evolved. And I think that's the way Elizabeth Montgomery in interviews wanted it. You know, she wanted it to evolve. And I read a, uh, an interview with her on Instagram yesterday where – she talked about a documentary of the homosexual, and this was like 1966 or something. So she was, you know, she was a grand marshal of a West Hollywood Pride yes, Parade in the early 90s. Yeah. And um, I use that a lot in my work. You know, I'm not this kind of cold psychoanalyst type. I'm, I'm very interactive, and I'll use references to Bewitched or to the Golden Girls or to, you know, to, to things, you know, to make a point. And, you know, if we look around in our culture, there's a. I always say everything I learned about relationships I learned on, from Bewitched. Because, <laughs> you know, no matter what happened, you know, Darren could be turned into a monkey, but at the end of 23 minutes, they, they kissed and made up. And, and that commitment, <laughs> yep. you know, that was, that was there, yeah. yeah. So, what are the shows today that are defining relationships that. Oh, I think. Um, Gosh, it's some of them I can't remember their names. I, I think this is Game us. of Thrones. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> How to have a relationship yeah. when you're being attacked by a dragon. Yeah, I yeah I, but I think a lot of shows, um, I wish they would still do a little more on the realities of gay and lesbian relationships. I yeah. still think those are a little underrepresented. I thought True Blood had in LGBT undertones yeah, and overtones, sure right? Because the vampires had to come out and the yeah. vampires had hidden lives and you know i think it was written that way i think this is us does a good job about certain kinds of conflicts especially uh with the african-american couple you know and and the storyline currently about how they're handling conflict Mm. particularly around occupations because when i work with gay male couples you can have a lot of that because two men can have very demanding 
uh, executive level careers a lot of times I see that a lot and it's coping with the idea of how do you have a, a relationship when you know you have to travel 20 nights out of the month right yeah, that's a challenge we've got less than a minute left tell us about your podcast my podcast is well everything's gay therapy LA is gaytherapyla.com the website and gay therapy LA uh, with Ken Howard LCSW on iTunes we've got about six episodes now and more to come on relationships the latest one was uh, the, the issues of how to keep your partner from cheating which is you have to kind of hear it <laughs> to get into yeah. why you can't always prevent it but uh, yeah gaytherapyla.com for the blog articles and Gay Therapy LA with Ken Howard LCSW the podcast and that's how you reach me Thank you for coming back. I love having you here. We've been friends for so long. It's great. You always are just such a delight to talk to Ken. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And when we come back, we'll be talking to Tracy Evans from the AIDS Lifecycle. So tune in. Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. We're talking with Tracy Evans, the ride director. Welcome, Tracy. Well, hi, John. Uh, Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. I'm so excited. The ride is 70 some days away. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be here in one minute is oh. when it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's people listening from the West Coast all the way over the East Coast. Tell them what the annual AIDS Life Cycle is. Well, AIDS Life Cycle is, as you know, because you've done it four times. I have. I love um, it. AIDS Life Cycle is a 545 mile, seven day bike ride from San Francisco to Los Angeles. Um, that ride happens. Happens June 2nd through 8th, and it is a major fundraiser for the Los Angeles LGBT Center and San Francisco AIDS Foundation. In fact, last year, we raised $16.7 million. That is amazing. And how many riders? It's a couple thousand every year, right? Yeah. Last year, we had 2,300. We're going to be wow. very similar this year. And not only do we have 23, 2,400 cyclists, we have 650 roadies who are full-time volunteers who come for the whole week to help support God the ride. those roadies who do the food and help with the tents and move the luggage around and everything they else. They do it They're all. They're incredible. I, uh, I remember when I did the ride, it's been a while now, it's been a few years since I did it, but it was about 50-50 women to men. Is it still about the same? or? Well... It- we run about 25% women, Oh, um, about a quarter women, about 75% men. Oh, maybe yeah. it was just my perception that yeah. I, I was just surprised. Cause you just I, saw all the ladies everywhere. I, I was riding mostly with the women. <laughs> I was riding with the women. Yeah, it was an yeah. amazing week. Amazing yeah. week. It's and, great. But it was very mixed. It was you know LGBT and straight allies and everybody under the sun. We, we have every. It is really, truly a diverse um, community of... Men and women, we have um, a growing population of trans folks. In fact, this year we have a team called Bikes Not Binaries, which is our first all trans team. We're super oh my excited God, that's about. That's amazing. Um, and we've got people from every walk of life, and it's just it's a special community who all come together to do something really amazing yep. for themselves and for the world. And hopefully, by the end, if if we've all had a great time and done a great job, it's a community that's just moving brightness through the world. And and. and I mean, I have to help describe this for people because it's hard to imagine. But you got 2,400 riders mm-hmm. and 600 roadies, mm-hmm. and it's a group of people moving down the state of California. Yeah. Setting up camp every, depends, 20 to right. 80 miles, right? Right. Right? And tackling hills and and a lo- wide stretches of road. And the big day, I remember, was like a 110-mile day. Yeah. Day like, two. Day, day two. two. It's like yeah. pedaling from Los Angeles to Palm Springs. That is the equivalent. Right? I mean, you know, don't scare the people, <laughs> <I> John. <know. laughs> but, it's, but it's flat. Jason, it's flat. I swear. It's possible. If I could do it, anybody could do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that day two for from um, Santa Cruz to King City, the right. thriving metropolis of King City. <laughs> and um, yeah, but that's a really fun day too. There's a lot going on from the Otter Pop stop to stopping and eating deep fried artichokes and all kinds of other shenanigans along the way. Yeah, and I will tell people, because I'm over 50, I'm somewhere between 50 and death, I'll tell you all. I could do it, kids. I'm telling you, I could do it. And you can eat 
anything and everything because you burn so many carbs on those bikes. You do. In fact, the most popular thing about camp is having a second dinner. Yes. You know, we feed you, right? We right. feed you all your meals every day and uh, you can eat as much as you want. And we encourage people to eat as much as they want because it's not a time for a diet. You're burning lots of right. calories and you need a lot of fuel. I remember when I did the ride, we used to have these really hardcore, I don't, can I say the uh, pee on the air? <laughs> I'm just saying pee. I'm sorry, I hope I don't get dumped. But they would make sure that you were <laughs> urinating because yeah. if you weren't urinating, it meant you weren't hydrating. Yep. And if you weren't hydrating, you could have a serious problem on the yeah. ride, right? We want to make sure that you know people stay hydrated, yeah. that they stay fueled. Um, and that, you know, people are, I was talking with someone just the other day out in Palm Springs, in fact, right yeah, into Palm yeah, Springs. Yeah. Um, we were at an event out there and I was talking to a new cyclist who was worried about that 108 mile day. Like, oh my God, how am I going to possibly do that? I'm like, you're going to get off the bike occasionally. Yeah. Yeah, you're yeah, going to yeah. enjoy the company of your fellow cyclists. You're going to stop for lunch. You're going to have rest stops. Um, you know, one of the one of the famous things along the way is rest stop four every day, which always does a Campy. great... Campy. <laughs> they yeah. They have a lot of fun, but actually all of our rest stop folks are amazing and they just bring the fun so that you have a little break from um, the being on the bike and it's not monotonous and it's, right. you know, it's everything. It's inspiring. It's fun. It's, it's hard, but but heart is okay. And, and it's know? great. And, and the, the biggest thrill for me was putting my iPhone down for a week. I mean, I could yeah. check my phone if I wanted to, but I didn't want to. Yeah. It was yeah. great to just unplug from the world yeah. and be part of a community of people that were all doing something for good. Yeah. For good. Yeah. Right? It's, yeah. It is it is a little bit magical. Yeah. So. It, it is. And I have to tell people, so you get up at dawn, mm-hmm. right? You get up at dawn, you have breakfast. Exactly. And then, you know, with my pals, I would get on my bike and we'd start pedaling. And you know what? I'm a little faster than some of my friends and I'm a lot slower than a lot of other friends and you'd end up breaking up and meeting new people yeah. on the ride that you might never see again you just have like one day together yeah. and then you're off to the next set of people it's yeah. magical it's really fun it's now, a lot of fun the youngest rider and the oldest rider how does the age range 1880 Wow. Well, you know. <laughs> so you, and, and we probably could have younger, except our, our age limit on the low end is 18. So you have to be 18 to do the ride. Right. And, uh, well, heck, you could be as old as you want to be. Yeah. Um, and I, I've been a longtime endurance cyclist and have done a lot of ultra cycling. And I'm here to tell you, long distance cycling, older folks know how to pace themselves we, we might be to. of a similar age, to. John. Yes, we might be of a similar age. And, you know, it's all about pacing yourself and not trying to be it's the first one out of the gate. It's not it's a race. It's not a race. It's not a race. It's just so. enjoy the ride. Yeah, you know, yeah. There, there's something that happens uh, trance-like because what happens – people don't understand this. You can't play music in your ears while you're pedaling. It's right. against the law, California, to have a headset in and be listening to music. So I was stuck in my head, right? So mm-hmm. for the first hour, my head is zipping along about right. work and relationships and friends and family and what's troubling me or what I'm thinking about. But after an hour, my head would empty out of all thought, and it would just be my legs moving in rhythm. I could feel my heart pounding, the sun on my face, the wind on my cheeks, looking at the beauty of California. I mean, it's very therapeutic, isn't it? It is. Yeah, Yeah. a different kind of meditation. That's exactly what it was. It was a meditative state of trance. And I you know, may have been sweating, and my legs, I didn't even notice they were tired anymore. It was just pedaling, and I just need to get to the next rest stop. I just need to get to the rest next yeah. rest stop. I, I do that with I I play games with myself and and I don't get to do the ride. Obviously, I'm, oh. I'm working, but but I am a cyclist, as I said. And when I'm doing long distance stuff, I, I like to play games with myself. If I get to this point, then I can make a different decision. But I never do. I always the decision is always to continue forward. Right. I mean, right. that's what the whole thing is about, right? And moving moving forward, moving forward with the mission, moving forward to Los Angeles, right? With, and moving with the pain and, and taking the pain. pain along with me. Yeah. 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 There's one day that's called the red dress day. And I, you know, I have to confess, I hadn't put a red dress on in a long time, but I did. I did. Yeah. And it was incredible because on that day, as people are winding up the hill, we're creating a big red ribbon yeah. on a hillside. It's that, it, you know, day five, red dress day is pretty spectacular. And for those who are listening who are familiar 
which is probably about three people because it's really in the middle of an isolated part of California. But there's a road called um, Lompoc Cosmalia Road, which is the switchback road. And what a vision to have thought of back in the day to have everybody wear red that day and create the ribbon. Mm. It, it really does choke me up, but that's the serious side of it. The fun side of it is, oh my gosh, I love opening the route that morning. It is maybe my favorite part of the ride because I get to see every single person in their costume. With, with boas and red and... I mean, you know, last... Um, Last year it was oh now I've I've lost my thought. Um, we had many teams dressed up last year as um, the women, the red cloaks. What am I thinking of, John? I can't. I'm sorry. I've lost my words. <laughs> little here. Red Riding Hood? No, no, not Little Red Riding Hood. Um, I'll, Barbara Atwood. Um, oh. uh, I'll think of it. Okay. Anyway, uh, it. Nonetheless, it's really fun to see how people just really take Red Dress Day and go with it. And you know, oh, two years ago we had someone dressed as Marie Antoinette. I love it with a wig that was about four feet tall on top of their helmet. Crazy! I cannot just really even fun. imagine. We're fun. talking to Tracy Evans from the AIDS Life Cycle. We're going to go to commercial break. We'll be back in a few here on Sidebar with John Duran. We're talking to Tracy Evans, the ride director. Tracy, what? Um, I'm always curious why people get drawn to do what I call God's work, because obviously raising $16 million a year for people with HIV and AIDS, you you could be doing anything in the world, but this is what you've chosen to do. Why? Well, so I've been doing this kind of work for a long time, um, and I got involved with AIDS Lifecycle. This is my third ride. I wanted to do something in my community, and so I could look at many different aspects of AIDS life cycle and say, this is my community, longtime cyclists, my community, lifetime California residents, Southern California, Northern California, all over the state. Um, that's my community. And the LGBT community is my community. So um, I set out a few years ago to make a change to go be more involved in my community and look where I am. Here, yeah. here I am. Yeah. So that's why. Um, and then on a more personal note, you know, I came I came of age around the same time you did, yep. and um, I moved to San Francisco in 1993, mm. and had um, and worked in downtown LA before that, and had coworkers, had friends who um, were part of the epidemic, and so personally, I wanted to do something that was going to contribute in the long term to people having long, healthy, thriving lives. And I've been doing that in another direction for so long, but this is really, this is personal. It is, it is. Yeah. If somebody is listening, it's not too late to sign up, right? It's not too late to and sign up. And there people come from all over the country to we do, do the And end. the world. And the world. And the world. <clears throat> um, yeah, we have folks from coming this year from Germany, Australia, Canada, um, and uh, we'll probably have about 20 states represented. And yeah, people come from all over the place. Uh, you know, the ride attracts people for a variety of reasons. There's an incredible physical challenge, right. so that's great. Um, you get to see such beautiful, such oh. a beautiful part of California. Oh. It, you know, California is such a diverse state, as you know, and you start in the great city of San Francisco and you end in the great city of Los Angeles and in between is just spectacular. Mm -hmm. um, and you get to be part of helping us get closer to a world without HIV and AIDS. And at the end of the day, no matter why you show up, your contribution is helping to change the world. So, you know, I say, come show up. If you want to see California on a bike, which is the best way to see any place in the world, Come see California on a bike. Um, we are going to ask you to raise some money to do that, but um, you're going to be part of something that's so much bigger. People say, you know, what, what's what's the outcome of AIDS life cycle? I'm like, it's so hard to describe because it's so much bigger than any one of those things. Right. And people sign up and they, they each raise 3000 Is yep. that right? $3,000 $3, is the minimum. And people may think, oh my God, I could never raise 3000 Of course you can. Yeah. Family and friends will support you. Yeah. And uh, support you getting on that bike and raising yeah. money for a good cause. Yeah. It's, it's pretty amazing. People who have never done something like this are always surprised and and 
in a in a good way about how their community supports what they're doing right. and why because what they're doing is really supporting the amazing work of two incredible agencies. Yeah. And if if you don't have the clothes and you don't have the bike, all of that's manageable, right? right. I'm helping yeah. you remove obstacles here because yes. I know yes. when I first thought about the ride I'm like, I don't have a bike and I, yeah. I don't have the cute outfits and I don't what am I yeah. going to do? Yeah. I mean, we have um there is there are ways that we can help get you connected to a bike. If you don't have a bike, you can't afford a bike. Um, we have something. We have a gear swap um, in both Northern and Southern California where we can help you get clothes that other cyclists who have come before you have donated. Um, we can help you figure out what you need and how to be successful on the ride. We have training rides um, all over California and well, particularly in the Bay Area and here in Southern California. Um, and we have folks who can help you be successful in that. We have um, uh, cyclist reps who are really your fundraising coach, if you will. They'll help you come up with ideas on how to how to raise money. And if you want to come along as a roadie, we also have folks who are going to work with you to be successful in being a roadie. And, um, and so, roadies do everything from first aid to yes. massage to preparing meals to moving luggage mm-hmm. to riding alongside the ride to look for riders in peril. Yeah. Those are all the things the roadies do, right? All kinds of things um, for roadies to do. And um, so we would, we would love to have you all come and join us. Yeah. And yeah. even the roadies help raise money, right? The roadies, uh, the roadies, the roadies are um, crushing it. In fact, right now, our number three fundraiser at the moment is one of our roadie captains from um, Gear and Tent. And uh, yeah, roadies raise a lot of money as well. Um, they're not required to, um, but certainly people want to get on board and help contribute as much as possible. So You know, I know when I did the ride, there were some really athletic women and men, and I was watching them. I'm like, oh, I can never do what they're doing. But for the most part, it was the average Janes and Joes that I just fell in love with on that ride. People yeah. who came from all walks of life that yeah. just wanted to do something, and we were in no rush. You know, let let the, the athletes go. You know, yeah. you open that fin- that uh, opening line in the morning, and off they go, zip. Yeah. And the rest of us, we're just going to get there when we're going to get there. Yeah. 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 You know, the course is open every day until seven o'clock, and we uh, and and we open at. 6.30 or maybe even a little earlier some days and folks take the amount of time that they need and yeah it's it's the average folks who make this ride like that make up the majority of folks on the ride yeah sh- certainly there are fast people of course certainly there are really fit people and there are folks like me who just get in a groove on a bike and and like to go so yeah. i'm in yeah. that group too yeah i love it <laughs> I'm in that group. i love it if people need more information is there a website or how can they get more information well, you know. about all this um, yes, there is a website, aidslifecycle.org. We'll get you all the information you need to get. Um, and we are there to help. So um, if you go to aidslifecycle.org and you don't see the information you're looking for, there is a place where you can ask for more info. And one of our great folks will get right back to you and uh, help you out. Because yeah. we, would, we would love to see everybody on the ride or supporting the ride. And I would tell you listeners, just do it. Just do it. Don't. I, I can come up with a hundred reasons for me not to. And when I finally just said, you know, I'm doing it, all the obstacles just fell away. Because yeah. yeah. they were all made up anyway. Yeah. And maybe that's one of the lessons of the ride. Because, yeah. you know, we, everyone starts out thinking, I can't do 545 mm-hmm. miles. How can I pedal a bike from San Francisco to Los I can't. I can't. And then... And then you do. And then I did. And then you do. And I did. And it suddenly broke through a lot of stuff. And I remember there were times on the ride where I was just remembering friends who died of HIV and AIDS and stuff I had to clear out of my memory banks that just to be there with the same group of people. It's it's interesting. We're at a very interesting time because certainly we we lived through – um, such a moment in the epidemic, but we still have more than a million people in the United States living with HIV. Um, and people say, oh, you know, it's not that urgent. It is urgent. Yeah. We, we've we gotten so far in this fight, but there's so much more to do. And, and the folks who are the highest at risk face the biggest obstacles. So this ride is helping us to bridge those gaps, to bust stigma, to help... Um, folks in communities of color where there's a lot of stigma around queer folks like Mm -hmm. we want people to be able to get access to prep we want people to be able to get tested do you know that um this year 40,000 close to 40,000 people in the U.S. will become infected and one out of seven will get tested 
and get a diagnosis. So like there is there's so much work to do. You are San doing. Francisco AIDS Foundation and Los Angeles LGBT Center are on the cutting edge of helping change that. Um, so that's, you know, I wanted to just talk about that a little bit because it's so important. And that's the ride is directly helping with that. You are doing God's good work on oh. earth. Thank you so much. Tracy Evans from AIDS Lifecycle. Thank you all for tuning in to Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q. Oh, Jason and I, I have a, uh, just I a little chuckle here. We've got this new little announcement that's a very sultry, sultry voice there doing my intro. It's, it's kind of funny. We're loving it. <laughs> We're loving her. We love her. Whoever you are that recorded that sidebar with John Duran, we love your sultry voice. Well, what a day it's been. You know, we started by talking about the high levels of depression in the U.S. and how unhappy people can be and the fact that adolescents uh, primarily spend spending six hours a day on their smartphones instead of interacting with humanity and how unhappy it can make us all. And then we finish with the incredible work of the AIDS life cycle and just want to share a quick story with you. So I did the ride four years in a row life-changing. If you're listening right now and you're thinking about doing it, just do it. It's it's going to be an extraordinary week in your life. And on, on one of the days, it was the big 110-mile day, and I was pedaling in, and oh, I was sunburned, and I was tired, and you know, I knew the, we were getting near the end of the day, and, and, and I was pedaling along, and I noticed that this young woman uh, who was on the roadside, it looked like her bike had broken down. So, you know, the way it worked, is that there are often stretches of the ride where I'm all by myself. I don't see anybody in front of me. I don't see anybody behind me. I'm following these markers to make sure I'm still on the route. And here was this woman on the side of the road, and I, a rider, and I pulled my bike over and I said, what's going on? And she was crying, and she said, I just can't believe it. I'm so tired, and I'm so angry, and my bike is not working right. And, and, and you know, he, I, my dad told me I shouldn't do this ride because I'm HIV positive, and he said I wouldn't be able to do it, and he was right, and I was wrong, and what am I doing here? And she was upset and crying. You know, so we fixed her chain on her bike, and I said, you know what? I've done this ride before, and, you know, we just have, like, another 10 miles. We are almost there. You know, I will follow you. Let's just get on our bikes. We're going to finish this. And so, you know, she kind of put her stuff together. I mean, what else are we going to do? We're in the middle of nowhere. It's like, <laughs> like somebody's going to come help us. You're like, you know, you got to get to the end of the ride. So we started pedaling and pedaling and pedaling. And after about 12, 14, 13, 15 miles, she finally pulled her bike over and she goes, uh, you told me we were 10 miles away. <laughs> we've been pedaling 15. I'm like, oh, you've got a pace meter. You know how long we've been pedaling. She goes, you lied to me. I said, well, I didn't lie to you. I just didn't tell you the complete accurate truth but we're almost there we're almost there so she got back on her bike and we pedaled and we pedaled and we pedaled another 10 or 15 miles and she's like we're still not there you really lied to me i said look we're almost there i promise we're almost there and so she got back on her bike and then we finished the ride and at the end of the ride you know her friends were waiting for her and they all started applauding that she got there and she made it and she broke down crying again because she made it to the end of the longest day of the ride and uh you know i never saw her again i saw her that one day I never saw her again. I don't know her name. It didn't matter what her name was. She didn't know my name. But I'm sure somewhere, wherever she came from, she is telling this exact same story about that flamboyant, obnoxious queen that lied to her repeatedly about how close we were to the finish line. But the point was she got there, and she didn't believe she could do it. And uh, because she was HIV positive, as am I, you know, we, we were taking on this incredible task of being doing something for goodness sake and to be part of something in the community of people, women and men and gay and straight and LGBT and uh, non-binary and otherwise, all doing an incredible feat that none of us thought we could. But together, collectively, as 3,000 people, we did. And we raised at that, that year $15 million for HIV and AIDS. So... I think this is just an example of the sort of good opportunities that are out there, opportunities for the sake of goodness, opportunities to get involved, opportunities to do something else other than posting pictures of yourself or myself on Instagram or taking selfies and wondering about who's going to follow me and who's going to like it and who's not going to like it and the amount of hours that are spent on social media instead of life. Like life is in play. Relationships are available. 
available. Opportunities to do something are out there. And I have got to, and we have got to, as a people, put our phones down, for goodness sake. The, you know, put down the interaction of 140 characters for a moment and look for actual relationship with people we don't know and actual effort and actual life that is going on and in play. And it's not in the device in the palm of my hand. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, if we all spend a little less time on the iPhones, a little less time on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Grindr, Scruff, Tumblr, Tinder, all the other things that, you know, we thought were our innovative technological achievements for advancement and getting us more connected in the world. Maybe if we just put them down and get back to the old-fashioned having to talk to people, we'd all be so much happier. At least that's what I'm believing today. And I hope that if you're listening, you'll consider doing the AIDS life cycle or volunteering at a foundation or finding a nonprofit or believing that, you know, the people still are out there that are basically good, that are available and just as hungry for that humor interaction as you and I are. And together, collectively, we can. We can. So, I want to thank you for tuning in to Sidebar with John Duran. Next week, we're going to focus a bit on the fentanyl epidemic that's happening. You know, there are people out there that are drug users and uh, are having a real tough time getting sober and clean. And at the same time, a lot of the drugs they're using are laced with fentanyl, which is deadly. We're having a record number of overdoses happening all over the country because these drugs are not safe when they're laced with fentanyl and other uh, drugs uh, that are adding additives like fentanyl that make them dangerous and deadly. And there are things to be done about it. Going to have Mike Rizzo from the LGBT Center, Jimmy Palmieri from the Tweakers Project coming in to talk about that. So I look forward to seeing and hearing from them. So uh, on behalf of Jason Yazine, my darling producer, and me here at Sidebar with John Durano, thank you for tuning in for another week. You all have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week here on Channel Q.